0: Well, good morning. So glad to be with you today and that it's relatively cool. Uh, always appreciate that. Uh, we're actually going to be um, looking at uh, something that comes right out of the uh, metaphors that Scripture uses talking about our faith and the church. One of my favorites is from the Apostle Paul, uh, really talking about how we're to run a race in order to win. And the idea is that nobody enters the race to go you know i don't want to win this race i just want to watch everyone else run by me right that doesn't quite make sense and i know there there's definitely a time at which you you enter a race and to win the race means you finish right they tend to be those really long ones uh a friend of mine is a pastor uh out in uh, where i live and uh he his goal was to compete in the Boston Marathon, and he had to qualify for it, and he'd been working on this for years, and he got to run this last year in the Boston Marathon. You know, he didn't run the Boston Marathon to win the Boston Marathon. Well, that's okay. But the idea is the same, that when we're to run, uh, that some are going to do it at different paces, but, but it's seldom a sprint, right? It's not... You know, I'm in this with the Lord, and I, I just need to do it as quickly as I can, right? That there's, there's a disconnect in logic there. In, in fact, it is much more like a marathon that we run with the Lord, right? That we're in it for the long haul. It's why we often say things like we're walking with the Lord, right? It wasn't necessarily even about the speed as it was about the journey that we're having with the Lord, And so, uh, kind of with that in mind, what does that journey, that walk, what does it look like? Well, in, in literature, it's often called a character arc, right? That, uh, it's that journey that we might, uh, take where there's a, a change, a transition. In literature, in, uh, cinema, there are four character arcs that are often portrayed there's a positive there's a negative there's transformational and then there's a flat arc and you could might imagine what that is we we would probably See that the goal for us is to have a positive character arc, right? As we we walk with the Lord and we look at what we are to be, it's to grow positively as opposed to negatively. But we see those in scripture too, right? You might think of maybe uh, King Saul. Who really started off, uh, being chosen. He was a head taller than those around. He was this, this really dynamic young man and he was chosen because of those, those features. And, and you're like, man, he's got it. But then as you go through his story and you see the arc he has, he drifts further and further away from the Lord, right? So that would be a negative arc. And then. Uh, Maybe there's the the flat arc, and we actually see that uh, at the church in Laodicea that Jesus addresses in Revelation 3.15. He says, I know your works are neither cold nor hot, would that you were either cold or hot, so because you were lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. By the way, I took that out of of order, so... uh, We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, So the idea here is that we would have a character arc in which uh, we're either uh, positive, we get to be negative, we get to be flat, not grow spiritually, but the goal ultimately is Christ-likeness. Because it is a transition... Let me take you to John five twenty four. Uh, John writes, truly, quoting Jesus, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The idea being that our faith then is about belief. In Romans, Paul, really having that same consideration... Uh, verse 6 of chapter 10 of Romans, but righteousness is based on faith. Uh, Don't say in your heart who will ascend to heaven uh, or who will descend into the abyss. What does it say? The word is near in verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And the reason I I wanted to read those verses is, is it enough just to believe, right? Isn't that what those verses say? Well, if you believe and confess, then you can be saved. But the question really isn't that simple, it's not just that you believe it, it's who you believe in, and it's what you believe, right? It, it's not enough to go, well, I believe it and I believe it passionately. What you believe matters. And so that takes me really to the question uh, that was really at the heart of the Reformation. Is it faith, belief, trust in God, or, or is it worse? Is there something you have to do because of it? Okay, and so I'm going somewhere with this, and you'll see. Uh, Because that was at the heart of the Reformation, what comes out of that are the five solas of the Reformation. And this is really what comes, it's a a summation of the teachings of the Reformers, and then summarized in the 20th century. Uh, Sola is a Latin word, it means for alone or only. And uh, so there, there's five of these: sola scriptura, sola Christus, sola fide, sola gratia, sola Deo Gloria. And, and basically, they're just fancy ways of saying that we are saved by Scripture alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, and glory to God alone. That's the the point and the purpose. And notice nowhere in that is Anything that would save us because of something we did. So now the question is, so is there nothing to do, right? You started off by saying we have this journey we're going to take with the Lord. And it's this arc that we want to be positive and grow in Christ likeness. But there's nothing to do, right? It's, it's like, well, what I did when I went to church and I prayed a prayer is I got a ticket and I put that ticket, if you're like, in my house, we put that ticket on the uh, the refrigerator. And when the date comes up for whatever that ticket will get us in, it just sits on the fridge until I need it. And then we pull it off the fridge and then we go to the event that we use the ticket for. I know, we're we're a bit more modern now. It's on the phone. It's It's not actually on the fridge anymore. But you get the idea, right? The ticket isn't useful until the day of the event. It was just something we got until then. And there's a lot of people that see our faith as that kind of ticket. Right? I went to church. I said a prayer. I, I went through the motions and I got, I got the ticket. Maybe it was, it was in your mind that day of your baptism or the day you professed faith. You said a prayer. And so I got the ticket and that ticket really isn't much good for me until the event. And maybe that event... Is some traumatic experience, right? It, it might be some some test that you have to endure, that you're going to look back and go, "Well, I'm glad I'm a Christian because I can rely on Him," or or maybe it's not even then. Maybe it's it's much later in your life. And and I was at a memorial service yesterday, and and uh, the lady I knew I had been her pastor, and and the uh, the pastor that was uh, conducting. The memorial service had been her pastor before me and and what was kind of neat is we could be there and go, well, there is evidence of her faith because of what she did. It wasn't that she got a ticket for April 15th of this year. She got a ticket that enabled her to walk with the Lord that whole way. See, that's the difference. So now the question is, well, if it's not just faith, is there anything we need to do? Right? So, is there anything we need to do because we walk with the Lord? Is that ticket good for anything else? Since the Bible says that in sin we are dead, we can only true, truly be alive in Christ, and what is alive grows. So that what we're talking about when we walk with the Lord and we mature in this uh, Christian arc, character arc, is that we're talking about maturing in the faith. And so that's where we get to those metaphors that describe our faith. They're, they're, they're seldom static. Right? They're not just sit there and be a Christian. Right? Even the ones that seem kind of static. Right, That uh, we're to be the salt of the earth. We're to be branches on the vine. Even those aren't just static. It's, it's part of, of nourishment from the vine. Salting something is supposed to be a verb. And because of that, it's something we're to do in our walk with the Lord. We don't just have a ticket that will someday be cashed in for eternal life. The way I often think about it is that, that being a follower of Christ isn't just about uh, getting that ticket for the hereafter, it's for the here and now. It's not just something that happens in eternity, but it's something that happens in life here today. In his letter to the church in Rome, chapter 5, verse 1 and following, Paul writes, Therefore, we have been justified by faith, right? That's that, okay, I've got it, I, I profess faith, I trust him, I've been saved, I've been justified, redeemed. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope, in the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God loves God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We are saved by grace through faith. This is not anything we have done. And scripture's clear so we can't brag about it. We can't boast. We didn't do it. We have no right to claim credit. It is all what he did. It's not blind faith. It is faith established in reality in the foundation of truth, in the revelation of scripture, in the corroboration of history and archaeology and and physics. Our God is knowable. Even when we can't fully know him, right? We see him as through a window darkly, but, but he is knowable. And the benefits that Paul talks about there of our faith in that passage... Joy, endurance, character, and hope. These are elements of that uh, character arc. Peace because we understand something about God. Regardless of what is going on, God has already won. John 16:33 Jesus says I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace why he says in the world you may have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world right when things are really hard he says look I've overcome the world I've overcome those challenges you can have peace right joy because God so loved us that he gave us his son while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Our joy is not based on our circumstances. It's not based on, on, well, I'm having a really good day. It is based on God and who he is. Now, this is really good news. Because if you're like me, the way I feel changes dramatically. It changes if people cut me off on the freeway on my way here. It changes if I had a good meal or a good night's rest, or had a cup of coffee, right? My joy shouldn't be dictated on my circumstances because they fluctuate so, so much. My joy should be found in something that's not changeable, like God. He says endurance. Well, endurance, because we have to stick with this. This is hard, right? It is hard. Life is hard. He even just said, well, in this life, you're going to have tribulation, Stick with it. Take courage, take faith, because I have overcome the world. And hope, because our faith is in him. There is nothing we can do on our own. So what does this character arc look like? Well, the easy way to describe it is Christ-likeness. We are to grow in maturity like Jesus. Our character arc starts with faith. Right? That's what we've been talking about. It's faith. That's where it starts. Hebrews 11.1, 1, our faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Right? We have to have faith and trust and hope. And because we're alive in Christ, right? We're no longer dead in sin because we're alive in Christ. We're to grow as all living things do. They they grow in size or complexity or experience. We're to grow in Christ likeness. Look at how Peter describes Christ likeness in his second letter to the churches. This is in verse uh, chapter 1 verse 5. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, right, that's that journey, if they're increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's that picture, that arc of what we're supposed to grow into. We're going to look at just the first one today, but I want to just real quick skip to the end of that. He says, this is why you have to be increasing in these. It's right there in verse 8. These things, if they are increasing in you, will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ineffective, well, have you met ineffective or unfruitful Christians? In fact, scripture says the way you will know someone is in the faith is that they're bearing fruit. Right? It might be fruit of the spirit. Right? They're growing. They're they're becoming more Christ-like. It it might be the, the effect that they're having on others around them as they are growing in the faith. And they're utilizing their spiritual gifting to benefit the body. To spread the good news about Jesus. So... These are things that need to be growing in us as we grow in the Lord. We're going to focus, like I said, on that first verse. Supplement your faith with virtue. All right, so the faith is trusting in God. He has the power, knowledge, presence, and love to save us. And then we're to add virtue to that faith, right? So you have that trust and hope and belief. And then to that you add virtue. That's the first thing that's added to your faith. What is virtue? Uh, the Greek word for virtue here, it's uh, arete. It, and, it, and it has a, uh, it, it means moral, but it also comes from the word that means male or strength. And so really, virtue in this context means moral strength. That if you have faith and trust in God, you are then going to grow moral strength. As we walk uh, with God as disciples, our character grows. Adding virtue to our faith means we're to grow in moral strength as we mature in the faith. Three ways we're to grow in moral strength. First of all, number one, this means knowing what is right and what is wrong. You see, that's that's how God made us. He, he gave us a uh, an understanding of right and wrong, and good and evil. But there's a problem with this, and the problem is sin the result of the fall when sin entered creation even though we are we are made to understand good and evil it gets all muddled together and we get it all mixed up it's why scripture warns us of calling good evil and evil good that's by the way that's not a new thing it definitely seems it would take you 5 minutes on any source of, of media, whether it's social media, mainstream media, that, that you would see people celebrating evil as good and good as evil. Unfortunately. And so that's just a direct result of sin and the fall in creation. So how do we then know what is right and wrong? Well, I'll just tell you guys, the first place would always be biblical truth, right? It's the, the first way we know what is right and what is wrong, from God's word. The problem is that there are definitely things in scripture that are hard to understand sometimes because uh, we don't really live in that time when it was written. And so you got to study it, read it, and know it. The other problem is that things will come up in your life and it's hard to, well, how does that fit in to what God's word says? Well, again, it's not just, well, I kind of read it, I heard a story once. It's that as I read it, it is alive. Scripture says that, that it's alive. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. And because of that, when I read it, I don't just read the words, I live it. I allow it to work into my life. There is objective moral truth. And that there are going, there's going to be truth that's just not very popular at times. And it's important to understand because many would say morality is relative. But how dangerous is that? Because you would need a simple majority to decide if something was right or wrong. Okay, well, let's be conservative. It's not just a, a majority. We, we go for, you know, two-thirds, a supermajority. That's what's right. Well, even that doesn't make sense. If it was wrong in sin and evil Fifty years ago, it is today. And if it was evil then, it's evil today. And if it's, and if it's good today, it was good de- No, it doesn't work that way. You can't just decide. See, what is right is right, and what is wrong is wrong. That's why we need an objective source. And we go to God's word for that. Most people know what is right and wrong. And it's not based on public opinion. Number two, right, so you know what is right and wrong. Number two, uh, utilizing the resources you have been entrusted in favor of what is right. Right, if it's right, you're going to then put what you have into it. And so the way I describe it is is resources. Well, that's called stewardship, right? The biblical word is stewardship. It means the things to, that you have been given stewardship of, responsibility for. You're supposed to utilize those, put those into practice in service of what is right and good. This just means use your stuff. Use your position. Use your influence. And there are times when you go, I don't have much stuff and I don't think I have much influence and I don't really have a position. Yeah, you do. You just may not be aware of it but you do. And you utilize those things for good. It means speaking the truth when it's necessary. And then uh number 3 there is doing right even when it's difficult, costly or unpopular. Right? So so moral strength. Right as you grow into Christ likeness, you're going to Add to your faith moral strength, virtue, and that's going to mean doing something even when it's unpopular. Well, if you do something that's unpopular, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost. What will it cost? Well, I don't know. It's going to cost you something. It might cost you some time. Right To do what is right might cost some time. It might cost you money. Financially, you might have to actually financially step up and go, it's going to cost me more to do it right. It's going to cost me more not to, to cut corners. It's going to cost me more to help in this situation. What else might, it, it might cost a job, right? You might have to be the one to speak up for what is right And it costs the job. It might cost your reputation. Yet we're always being told to do what is right and to worry about what God thinks of us instead of what others think of us. These things might very well be in conflict with other parts of scripture. And this is the hard part because it's why we need people that are further along in their walk with the Lord and their character arc than we are. So that they can go, okay, I've I've been there. I've, I've dealt with this. And here's what I recommend. Because when those things come and they seem to be at odds, you need someone to help you walk through that what do I mean these things might be at odds? If, if you're supposed to stand up for what is right, is it possible that, that you could be then in conflict? I, I'm, I'm thinking of Colossians 3.22 where we're told, maybe you don't feel like this is you, but we're told servants obey your masters. And that might be employee, obey your employer, Right? It might be students, obey your teachers or the school or, or something like that. It might be, here's what the government said and we're at odds with that. And, and how do we stand up for what is right when it seems to be at odds with what the government is telling us? Right? That's why we need mature believers to help us walk through that. Uh, how about obey your parents? Right? Is it possible that obeying your parents could then be at odds with, with standing up for what is right? Possibly. Or be subject to the governing bodies in Romans 13.1. kind of already mentioned that one. Is there something the government says, here's what you're supposed to do, that you're like, but that's in opposition to God's word. How do I stand up for what is right and stand up for my faith and and still be subject to the governing authority. So it might very well cost. Peter said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But here's the good news, right? When something is hard, here's the good news. He says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of the glory of God rests on you. We're supposed to rejoice when we're insulted for the name of Christ you might have heard me say this before. Uh, You're supposed to celebrate when you're insulted for the name of Christ, not when you're insulted because you're a jerk. So that's not an excuse, right? We want to speak truth and do it in the name of Christ. And we do it in a way that that is as unoffensive as we can, right? We don't need to be offensive for the sake of being offensive. This is true. We could say, but this is true. There's a difference between those. Or in John sixteen thirty three, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart; I've overcome the world. Right? So we have that hope. If our character arc is to be positive, we're to grow in Christ's likeness. Paul tells us to do this: Philippians four, eight and nine. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is anything excellent, there is anything worthy of praise. Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So depending on where you're at in the walk, your walk with the Lord and your character arc. Some of these things you might go, that's where I'm at. I need to work on that. And some of you might even be, you know what, I'm still kind of new to this, and you might be at the, at the front going, I need to make that decision today. And if that's where you're at, I need to make a decision today to follow Christ, then, then I would encourage you, it is worth it. So hopefully, I, you didn't go, wait a minute, you just said it's going to cost something. Yeah, I know. Because that's, that's what scripture says, right? Before you build a tower, you have to consider what it's going to cost. Otherwise, you're going to start and then get halfway through and go, I'm out of money. Right, so when you walk with the Lord, you have to consider the cost. So as you count the cost, what does it mean? And so we talk about it that way. But I'll tell you this, it's always worth it. Why? Because we're not just talking about, well, I got a nice church to go to. As good as this is, we're talking about building something that's eternal, that lasts. I have some next steps for you today. Uh, First of all, uh, my next step today is to commit to grow spiritually through Bible reading, and and I put there a verse. Here's a place you might start: Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right? That maybe that's something you would read, maybe memorize it. Uh, it's one of those first verses I memorized, but it, you might have noticed I read it just now for fear that I would say it wrong. Uh, and then another one: uh, Look at my growth in virtue, my moral strength. How have I? How have I done? Right? If there's an area where you know you've, you feel like maybe I've come up short, I had an opportunity to be strong, to exhibit virtue, and I, I didn't follow through. Right? How can I make that right? So now is the time then to make those changes. Then I have a blank there uh, for you. Something else. You're like, that's what I need to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful. We're grateful for Jesus who, uh, as your word says, that uh, even though we were Sinners, Christ died while we're still enemies. Christ died for us. And it's only because you're good and that you sent your son to die for us that we could be saved. And that because it's a journey and you want to grow us and change us, help us to become more like Jesus, that we would do better. Father, we'd have an understanding of what Uh, adding virtue, adding that moral strength to our faith looks like. And that there's going to be times when it is a challenge and it's hard. Help us to do better every day. That we'd be able to look back and, and see how you've grown us, changed us, worked in us. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to walk with you. Help us to be more like Jesus and to honor you. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.